0: O Lord, may your word only be spoken, and may your word only be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, the living word, amen. Amen. Welcome to the faithful remnant. (laughs) It's good. I want to speak a little bit this morning about families and water. Often not a good combination, whether it's in the bathtub or on a beach or at the pool or in the yard, it's an opportunity for siblings to practice dunking each other or splashing each other or hosing each other down. It's an opportunity to throw sand or squirt sunblock. It's a chance to snap someone else's bathing suit strings. It's an opportunity for arguments about who gets the floaty with the pink stripe, who gets the noodle with the blue stripe. It's an opportunity for parents, depending on the venue, to either fear for their children's lives or be embarrassed by their children's actions, or to reflect wistfully on the passing of our own youthful physiques, or perhaps family members reflecting on the passing of our youthful physiques. <laughs> Of course, there are also wonderful things about families being together with water. There are the rituals around bath time that create closeness and intimacy. There's the sprinkler in the backyard on a hot summer's day as families family members take turns running through the cooling mist. There's the joy of seeing a child realize I can float. And if I move my arms this way, I can even swim or there's going to the beach in the summer as a time to relax and reconnect. There's the teamwork of building a sandcastle on the shore and then watching as the wave comes in and the water goes around into that little moat that you that you dug there. And then as the water goes out, it sort of settles down a little bit, gets a little smaller. There's the stroll along the water where we're either like the birds, kind of skittering away to try and miss the surf as it breaks. Or we decide we're just going to walk through it and have it splash over our feet as we lean down to pick up a shell or a starfish or a piece of driftwood or sea glass. There's wonderful times with family and water. Now, I never quite noticed it before, but... In this gospel reading that we heard this morning, there's actually quite a lot, obviously, about water going on. But there's also much more than meets the eye immediately about family going on. Here in uh, in the Jordan River, in the water of the Jordan River, there's a lot of family stuff going on. Consider these things. John. John was the first century Jewish equivalent of a preacher's kid. You may remember that John was the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Zechariah was a priest in the priestly establishment who took his turn serving at the altar in the temple at Jerusalem. You couldn't be more establishment than that. And here's John. Not at the temple, but out in the wilderness, wearing very countercultural clothing, shall we say, eating off the land far from comfortable religious settings and the establishment away from the social system of his time, calling people to repent, to change their evil ways, to face God again and to receive a cleansing water baptism. As a sign of their intent to lead this new life. In addition, one of the predictions about John was that with the spirit and power of Elijah, he would turn the hearts of parents to their children. So there's John with his family system out there in the water. And then there's Jesus coming out into the wilderness as well. Now according to Luke Elizabeth and Mary Elizabeth was John's mom Mary is Jesus's mom according to Luke Elizabeth and Mary are relatives he doesn't get more specific than that but there's a tradition going back to the 14th century that holds that Jesus and John are cousins which means that perhaps Mary and Elizabeth could even be sisters maybe or maybe they are another kind of cousin. Some scholars uh, think that Jesus is going out there alone, maybe to join his cousin's movement for holiness and repentance. And as with John, for Jesus, it would have been quite countercultural to make a journey away from civilization, if you will, into the wilderness. It meant stepping outside, accepted kinship relationships, accepted social ties. And also, with Jesus and a family, it's interesting that all four of the Gospels talk about Jesus' baptism. And they use the words, they have God saying the words, You are my son, or this is my son. Very important in a culture... Well, first of all, very important for a person who may have had questions about his relationship to the man who had raised him. And in the Roman world, acknowledgement of paternity meant everything. A mere baby only became a son or a daughter if the father acknowledged his own paternity. So perhaps John was getting away from his father. And Jesus was was growing closer to his in addition to sort of the father son and cousin relationships it seems that uh, according to some scholars by far the emotionally strongest unit of loyalty and this is surprising to me the strongest emotional ties were between brother and sister in the Roman world That was a surprise to me. But I guess hitting and kicking are a form of intense emotional attachment (laughs) and teasing. And in a way that's almost incomprehensible to us as modern Western people who are preoccupied as we are with our own individuality and our own specialness. In the ancient world of Jesus and John, every individual was embedded in a family without a family You really just didn't exist. There was no you without a family. It's like the current African philosophy of Ubuntu we may have heard about if we were following the Lambeth Conference this past summer. Ubuntu can be sort of summed up as, I am because we are. We exist in community. So this family and water stuff is pretty deep. It's pretty rich, it's pretty complicated, and I think it's all there if we look at the gospel and it's also right here with you and with me baptism, if we take it seriously changes our family structure. In remembering our baptisms, we remember whose we are, despite what our family might say, despite what the culture might say. We remember who we belong to. And that is God. We remember in our baptismal vows who validates our existence. It's not our family. Ultimately, it's not the culture. It is God who gives us meaning and validates us, who gives us value of value. It is God. And it's also in our baptism where there is connectedness, where there is a horizontal connectedness, perhaps even a kind of safety. Now, this connectedness and safety is especially important as we consider the next two verses in Mark's gospel, which unfortunately are left out of the passage that you have in front of you. The next two verses go like this. So Jesus comes out of the water. And God says, you're my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. And then the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. If we take our baptism seriously, we, like Jesus, will be catapulted into uncharted and dangerous wilderness territory. We do have the help of the baptismal covenant and the promises that we make to God and to one another. But it also is a difficult territory and we need grace from above and support from around us to make it work. And if we think about it, getting pushed out into the wilderness. Is what happens with our children Natalie and Eliza have a future stretching out before them that none of us knows We can't know the future for them but we can know on some level that it means letting go while both preparing and protecting them from what lies ahead from the wilderness that's for sure at some times in their lives they will be experiencing in baptism our family and other connections become relative so to speak they take ultimately I think a second place to the relationships that come to us in baptism with Christian brothers and sisters and with God we are welcomed into we are initiated into a new family a new set of relationships where we receive validation from above and grace and support and connection from side to side. Now, it's it's reported, going back historically a little bit, uh, that Martin Luther, in the 16th century, when he felt most desperate, most afraid, most sure that there was no hope for him, most sure that he was... Beyond hope, beyond help, particularly in his uh, battles with the Holy Roman Empire, the princes of the Holy Roman Empire, and with the Catholic Church, his own church. It is said that when he was most desperate and afraid, his, his mantra for himself was, I am baptized. I am baptized. Not I'm the beloved child of God. Not I am saved by Jesus' death and resurrection. But I am baptized. That said it all. With the gift of water and the spirit. And Luther's acceptance of God's acceptance of him. And with the communion of brothers and sisters present and throughout the ages. Martin Luther had all he needed. Now so will Natalie and Eliza, and so do all of us. Amen.